knowing the ratio between gold and silver also allows you to actually increase your stack of gold or silver without needing to buy any. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Hi there, my name is Shane Moran, and I'll be your host for this week's episode of Live from the Vault. And as you can see, I am in beautiful South Italy, and it's a beautiful sunny day here. So welcome to the show that goes beyond the headlines and uncovers the truth about the precious metals industry and the effects on the global economy in these historic times we're living in right now. With exclusive access we have to experts and insiders we reveal information and insights that you simply won't find anywhere else. Now, this week, we have the one and only Andrew McGuire, precious metals expert and whistleblower in the house. And to help him pull, pull back the curtain this week, we'll be joined by popular band from you, our Live from the Vault community industry experts, Kevin Wadsworth and Patrick Kareem of North Star bad charts they're in the house and that's right kevin and patrick are in the house and you're not going to want to miss this conversation for sure because we have a special announcement all right so just before we get started here please help us spread the word about this channel by hitting that like button you know share this information and be sure to subscribe if you haven't already done so and click on that bell right there if you want to be notified as each episode goes live so with that, let me tell you a little bit about Kevin Wadsworth and Patrick Kareem of North Star Bad Charts. They're both enthusiastic supporters, as you're about to hear, of the Kinesis Monetary System. You know, they launched North Star Bad Charts back in May of 2021, and their site is a culmination of collaborative work between North Star, which is Kevin Wadsworth, and Bad Charts, which is Patrick Kareem. That's where the North Star Bad Charts comes from. And they have more than 30 years in combined chart trading experience. So these are not two gentlemen that just got started here. They've been doing this for a long time, and you're going to love that. And with that, let's head over to the UK and Talking Gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire and our special guests, Kevin Wadsworth and Patrick Kareem of North Star Bad Charts. Over to you, Andy. You know, this is a real, real buzz for me. Um, a really amazing team. I know Ke Kevin and Patrick's skill sets are, are fantastic. And uh, this is a real, this is going to be a real treasure uh, for, for our Life in the Vault viewers. Um, and, and I'm looking at both of you here. So Kevin, look, I, I know that you, for example, spent 30 years as a professional meteorologist. And and I think we just spoke br briefly a minute ago that um, you you also followed the work of Alan Andrews, um, and I think that was back in the nineteenth early century. I'm not saying you were around then, and nor I'm not saying I'm that old either. But um, but I started first studying his work so you know for some years ago, and he, because he had this uncanny cunning knack of predicting. And charting the weather. And I thought, well, if someone can do that, bloody hell, um, pretty much you can do anything. And, and so a long story short is amazingly accurate, uh, charting methods, uh, were refi refined by, um, I know Robert, uh, Roger Babson at the time. Um, and who, who he, he then developed the Andrews fit. He could have evolved his, his, um, system into the Andrews pitchfork technology, which I know you guys also use. Um, and Babson was interesting because he used this charting technology, um, in the financial markets. He, he actually named the exact day, um, that the Wall Street, the Wall Street crash of 29. And I think within three hours of his, um, prediction, what was a bull market? Everyone is saying you're crazy to it. I mean, we were talking, I mean, talk about parallels. I mean, everyone's racing, racing, racing in. And he said, no, no. And he had for all the reasons that this chart, and I think what I'm trying to get to here, and I know that, um, uh, that, that you also, Patrick, uh, are very involved with this side of uh, this, this science, um, and this charting analysis that, you know, you, you obviously when you kind of evolve these two things together and something comes out. But I mean, this is this is incredible stuff because um, 
you know, it actually it can give us an indication that a, a perspective that cannot be got anywhere else. So, guys, over to you. So, um, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I mean, I'll just uh, start by saying, you know, thanks for the introduction. And the world of meteorology is where I come from. And as you say, I had a long career in uh, weather forecasting for some very demanding clients, actually, particularly the Royal Air Force and emergency responders during uh, severe weather events. And you can imagine that the level of detail that these guys require is absolute. You know, you're talking about life and death situations where decisions are made and um, there's a lot of, lot of pressure there. And I, I think a lot of people don't, you know, they think of meteorology and weather forecasting as just the guy who stands up on TV and points his arm, waves his arms around saying it's going to be sunshine and showers tomorrow. And people think, well, <laughs> thanks for that. I could have worked that out for myself. But the actual <laughs> the, the real science of meteorology and climatology is incredibly complex and it pushes the boundaries of what's actually possible in terms of predicting the future. And if you want to study the art and science of uh, predicting the future, then meteorology is one good way to do it, because in order to do it properly, you have to track every molecule of gas between the Earth's surface and the top of the atmosphere. And if you're not doing that, and if you can't do that, then you have to accept the fact that what you're doing is just an approximation to that. But we use supercomputers and we use technology and we use science to develop a range of predictive tools. And what they enable us to do is to say, with a pretty high degree of certainty in most cases, what is likely to happen over the next 24 hours, 48 hours, over the next week, and then over the next month, and through the through the climate forecasts that we produce as well. So it's a case of coming to a probabilistic determination of what is likely to happen while still accepting that there's a, a range of possible outcomes. And you always have to remember that just because something only has a 1% chance of occurring does not mean it cannot occur. I mean, how many times do you know surprising and unusual things happen in the world around us? Um, you know, a meteorite can can strike in your backyard, however unlikely that might be, might be a billion to one chance. And so, you know, the world of predictive science is not. And if you ever hear anybody saying this is what will happen with the price of gold, this is what will happen with the price of silver or the stock market or anything else, then you really need to switch off and stop listening to them because they're not approaching it from a from a professional point of view. Any professional scientific forecaster will always talk in terms of likelihoods and probabilities and as much as some people might think well that's just a cop out you know you're just sort of uh, hedging your bets and saying that this might happen and that might happen i'm afraid in the real world you have to deal in probabilities and there's nothing wrong with that because you can use that knowledge of prob probabilities to weigh your trades and to know when to go in with a high probability trade and when the trade has a low uh, confidence level and that's exactly the same in the, in the world of meteorology. So we can use this knowledge and this, these techniques that, that transfer directly across from predictive science into uh, the forecasting of the markets. And um, it does work. It does work. So, yeah, there's, 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 there's more than something there. You know, charting is not astrology for men. Um, with 34 years of experience of high pressure predictive science, I can, I can promise you that there's, there is a lot to it that... Um, Really does help us in our in our trading and investing. Fascinating stuff. So so yeah, Patrick. Um, you, just before we started speaking, um, you, just in particular, thread keying off what we were talking about. About this is we're talking about you know Andrew's pitchforks at some point. Uh, yes. I mean, we're, we're going back what a hundred years here, and and yet and yet and it's something that I that I was studying and 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 and, and I noticed that you were using part one of your tools that you use was pitchforks. You, can you can you just just share just some of the things you just talked about because um, uh, we talk, when you talked about Andrew's pitfalls, you talked about energy levels. Uh, yes. Could you share that with uh, our subscribers? Well, this this is what Kevin's also been saying. Uh, we hear that astrology for men. Well, when people say something like that, it's like a blanket argument or comment because they're trying. They haven't taken the time to understand what's happening. What. Kevin and I, or there's, we're not the only chart traders out there or technical analysis. There's, like you said, over a hundred years ago, the Japanese candlesticks, they were, the Japanese were, were using charts to, for rice prices. I don't know, Kevin, in the 1800s, 1700s, I think even before that, I have to brush up on my history, but that, that stuff, humans have always analyzed price up, down, because essentially what we're seeing is human emotions. And uh, human emotions is also, you could see as energy. So like you said, the, the, the crazy go-go uh, 20s bull era, the energy going up. And we kind of saw it in the, like in the, in the 
Bitcoin when it went from 10,000 all the way to 60, 68,000, that energy everybody gets into gets like, it's like, oh, he got rich, he got rich. And we're all hearing about these stories. And eventually that just evaporates when everybody, when your grandma bought, mm-hmm. who, who's left to buy? Everybody bought, it's, it's done. And all that energy going up, that, that sprinter, he's tired and he just, he just crumbles, bam, energy goes down. And when you look at charts over and over, you see huge bases. And even with the pitchfork, you, you see these channels of resistance and support. And once you break through one of those channels in the pitchfork, there's, you know that the bottom, the energy accumulated, once you break out, there's a release, and then you get the crowd getting in. And then that's why you have, look, he got it to perfection maybe back then, but it doesn't happen always like, like we try not to talk and we got the perfection, but you got a range where it's okay, look, this is where there's gonna be fear of missing out. That's where we're gonna be stretched for moving averages. That's when uh, we have the laser eyes. Remember the laser eyes on the Bitcoin accounts or when we have Peter Schiff saying $20,000 gold. We gotta, we, gotta be, we gotta look at the charts and see exactly where we are in that energy release. Have we been accumulating energy like we have for the past two, three years in the precious metals, right? Consolidating tight. Or are we in a bull run where gold ha- or silver has run from 20, 30, 40? It's already at 80. Because trust me, Andrew, when a- silver is 80, it's going to be hard to tell people to, guys, you should be taking profits because we're, we're, we're going to be looking at triple digits, like four digits. It's going to be bonkers. And that's how you use TA, but you have to study it like Kevin and I do. You have to look at thousands. Like, I don't know, Kevin, we've put 10, I put at least 10,000 hours can't even count the amount of charts we've put in there. Look, this, this is also why we're important. If you don't want to do the work and learn about TA, look, when somebody buys a computer, Andy, they, they shop around, they look at Best Buy, they look at all the specs, and then they take a decision. And even that computer, it's not 100% sure they'll be happy with it, but at least they have, they made the best decision. When your, your girlfriend or your wife goes at the grocery store, she, she looks at those, uh, the cantaloupes or the avocado, she touches it, she has a technique, she knows what to look for, yeah. because she can't open the peel and see if it's wrong inside, but you know, she could get a probability that that's a good fruit. Well, that's all we do with chart trading. Look, and what saddens me is people go in the investment world, they buy stuff, and they don't even do the effort. They listen to the talking head on CNBC, tell them to buy with their own hard-earned money. They do zero research. That's where like Kevin and I, we do the research analyzing price. And it's crazy how people are willing to put tons of money in something without even looking at price, analyzing price, while they'll spend countless hours analyzing before buying a $1 fruit or one euro fruit. They're gonna analyze, spend more time analyzing that. Well, there's, there's, there's a good good example of that as well. And, you know, what Patrick's talking about is narratives and um, stories and what you read in the, in the media and the headlines. And just to try and, you know, explain that in a way that people might understand, the the use case and the narrative for in favour of Bitcoin hasn't changed in the last, let's say, three years. Bitcoin still does what it did three years ago. It still has the same good arguments for it and it has still has the same um, reasons not to trust bitcoin there hasn't nothing fundamentally has particularly changed with bitcoin and yet the price fell from that sort of 69,000 level all the way down to below 20,000 it lost over 70% of its value so the narrative and the story you know is consistent and yet the price pulled back you know 75 80% so so you have to at some point question hang on a minute do i really want to be in this because of the narrative or do I want to be in this because we've got a clear technical breakout, we've got all of the technical indicators, and we look at weight of evidence. Uh, Patrick and I don't ever just look at one chart. We look at the chart across multiple time frames. Mm-hmm. We compare its ratio to other investments to see if it's breaking out versus the S&P. Is it breaking out versus inflation? Is it breaking out versus money supply? And if it's doing all of those things and the technical chart indicators on top of that are all telling us the same thing, then we can have a high confidence that when the breakout occurs, it's a genuine breakout that's going to reach its measured move. So it's all about weight of evidence. So in that case of Bitcoin, why just sit there when the price of Bitcoin breaks its support level? Okay, so you're still a, you're just, just as convinced in the story and just as convinced that it's going to one day be $2 million or whatever and the answer to the world's problems. Okay, that might be true. But in the meantime, why would you want to sit there and endure a 75% drawdown that takes two years to get back to 
the point where it broke down from. You know, instead of that, you could have recycled your uh, your your profits into something that is breaking out and doing the whole process again. So it's a case of constantly looking at the ratio charts and moving from one winning horse, and then that when that winning horse gets exhausted and needs to take a rest, you jump onto the next horse that's coming up that's just starting its race, and that way you can build your wealth. It rings so true. And you're talking about 10,000 hours going into it. And that's just a, you know, and, and that's distilled down to confluences. As you say, when you you study that many charts and you're, you probably dream about these bloody things as well, you know. So you come up with a confluence out of 10,000 charts. There may be just one confluence, the highest probability entry or exit point. And I think that's that's what you guys offer here. And I think that, you know, people under, can understand that. People are traders. They can understand. If only I could just have that one one trade, you know, because I have a big sign above my desk. No position is a position. And it's so important because, you know, only it, it takes you some years to figure out that just because you've got your mouse there, that isn't necessarily the time to take a trade. Exactly, Andrew. And just, and just building on that point, you know, part of what, what we, we do, of course, is using those ratio charts that I've just talked about. And uh, I know that um, our friends over at Kinesis, of course, you know, you can um, buy physical gold and silver. It's, you know, digitized and all the rest of it. It's a great, um, a great platform to allow people to, um, to get into precious metals. But knowing the ratio between gold and silver also allows you to actually increase your stack of gold or silver without needing to buy any. So say, for example, you've got 100 ounces of silver. By playing the ratio, you can turn that into 1,000 ounces of silver, but you don't even need to buy any more silver. And I think a lot of investors don't quite grasp that idea. You know, you could hold your silver for the next 20 years and you'd still have 100 ounces of silver. Well, why not play the gold-silver ratio and turn that 100 ounces into 1,000 ounces? Because you can do that regardless of whether gold or silver is going up or down in price. So even during a bear market, you can hold the one that is more favorable, and that's, of course, usually gold in a bear market, and to um, hold its value better, so that when the time comes to go back into silver, you've built up your gold position, so you're swapping it for more ounces of silver. And so the process goes on month after month, year, year after year. You can actually increase the stack. Yeah. Would so, you be able to share, at 83 to 1, I think we've got everyone's attention here. Um, could you be able to share um, a chart, maybe, and because I know this is a big push that you're – you're coming on with, obviously, with Kinesis, we're working with you, and you're providing services here. And this is a great thing for people to look at. So it would be great if you could just share maybe a chart on that ratio. So look, ratio charts, essentially, if you want to own, let's say you do want to hold precious metals, right? It's like you want to hold precious metals. You don't want to sell them for fiat. You want to hold precious metals. Well, like Kevin said, using the ratios, you're able to swap your gold for silver as silver's outperforming gold. And once silver, because of the charts will get signals, once silver starts outperforming, uh, turning over versus gold, then you swap back. So essentially, you're, you're not even touching fiat, you're not even injecting fiat, buying new ounces, but because you're swapping where silver's worth more than gold or gold is worth more than silver, you're actually getting more ounces of what you want to keep. So that's very important to bear in mind. Racial charts, they're very good as long as it's something that you want to hold both. Because you gotta, you got to think also the price of gold and silver can be going down and you could still increase your stack. And Kevin's going to showcase that in bear markets. If you're able to swap into the best performing of the gold or silver, even on the way down when both are losing price, when you swap at the bottom, you actually increase your, your ounces. Okay, so uh, this is the uh, gold-silver ratio uh, chart. And it kind of showcases what is possible using the techniques that we uh, employ over at, the, over at the website there. So, for example, starting with an ounce of gold, which at the time was uh, approximately worth 50 ounces of silver back in 1982, by selling the breakdowns and buying the breakouts, and there's a, a number of confirming techniques that we use to confirm when the breakdown occurs and when the, um, when the breakout occurs or when the um, support level is hit for the ratio chart. So when is a good time to swap back into silver or back into gold, but you can see that by swapping uh, your um, one ounce of gold and converting it to silver here, and then converting it back, you've already started to increase your stack from one ounce of gold to 1.6 ounces of gold. And that's just because the ratio has altered 
your relationship between uh, gold ounces and silver ounces has altered. And then in, during this period from uh, during the uh, 1980s, of course, gold, the gold market wasn't really um, doing anything particularly exciting, but you're still able to increase your silver now to 107 ounces of silver from the original 49.9 ounces or 50 ounces. So you've sort of doubled your stack of silver there in a five-year period during a time when most people involved in precious metals were managing to, to probably lose money very, very nicely. So your stack's increasing despite um, a, a particularly poor time for precious metals. And of course, that poor time in precious metals continued through the uh, 1990s there. And of course, we didn't have the, bull, the big bull run until uh, roughly the year 2000, 2001. So during this entire period where precious metals were struggling, it, you can see the ounces increasing, 170, 187 ounces of silver. We're up to 3.8 ounces of gold here from our one ounce of gold. Then we swap back again, 245 ounces of silver. Then we swap back again and back again, 325 ounces of silver. And then when the bull market really starts going, you can really start to make some big, big um, gains in your stack here. And you see quite quickly going from 325 to 500 ounces, 500 ounces to uh, over 1,000 ounces. And our most recent swaps occurred April 30th, 2021, and then this one here on August 31st of 2022. And during that particular swap, we went uh, from 812 ounces of silver to uh, 1,123 ounces of silver. So this continues to be tracked. Uh, you can see the resistance line. You can see the support level. Uh, we consider moving averages and other technical indicators as well to, to guide us. But uh, for the time being, whilst we're below this uh, wake-up line here in the 12-month moving, moving average. Silver is the uh, is the metal that is favoured. So, uh, so the story continues, and so the journey continues with the gold-silver ratio tracker. So that's that's how you can increase your stack, uh, even if the price is going down. Presumably, we're looking at that chart. You've really had, you've, you to keep it sort of understandable. You've removed so many of the formulas and and. And, and, and energies that, that uh, levels that were required to actually come up with those supply and resistance lines. So exactly, I know I know people will be thinking, oh well, that looks that looks great on the chart, and you can draw your little, you know circles there where you swap from one to the other. But the idea of the website is to take a lot of that technical um, sort of um, science out of it because I know I know people struggle to interpret and struggle. The part, listen, and Andrew, as a meteorologist, there's one thing that I learned. I'll tell you a little story. One thing that I learned is one thing to have great information and a, and a weather forecast that is 100% accurate it is a different thing entirely to be able to convey that to someone so that they can understand it. Classic um, example, you know, Met Office produces weather forecasts, gives them to fast jet pilots in the form of very complex charts. Now, these guys are highly educated, highly trained. They're flying, you know, um, very fast, high-tech you know, um, jet, you know, um, jet aircraft at low levels, high levels, you know, flying sorties all over the UK and all over the world. So, you know, these guys are highly intelligent. But after a briefing one day, which has to be kept to three minutes, I, you know, I asked them, you know, did, did you actually understand that chart? Were you able to take the information in? And these guys, you know, as clever as they were, they weren't able to repeat back to me the information that I was trying to get across to them. So I, I simplified the information, made a very simple chart out of it, effectively just using three colours, green for go, amber for um, marginal, and red for no-go. And in, just by using that chart and colouring the, the UK in three colours, I could show them whether their mission was a go or a no-go. And that, at the end of the day, that's all they want to know. And traders and investors, they want to know, can, you know, can I get into this trade and do I need to exit it? All of the science and all of the background work that's done it's, it's great. It's interesting. But I can guarantee you 99% of people out there, they, they just want the answer. They don't want to know all of the, the work that goes behind it. Having said that, you know, of course, on our website, we do explain all of that. It's not some kind of no, it's not a dark art that we, we keep to ourselves. We try to educate and train and provide training. And we want our followers and members to learn to do this for themselves if that's what they want to do. It's such a specialised field that you're in. And I think I always figure you leave leave to the specialist what is your field. And I think, you know, as you say, distilling something like that, you get an example there, which could be obviously used for trades, everyday trades, where you've distilled a vast amount of information using 
what would if you put that on a chart, it would be deer in the headlights for most people. I mean, what do you react to? Um, and to distill that down is really what you bring to the table. And I think um, your you also your history um, says take note, guys, because these guys know what they're talking about. And I think you know it doesn't come easily. And as you say, you've got your background, and and Patrick's got his background there as well. And I think you work so well together. Um, and it's interesting. So tell us, tell us what you're seeing. You know, tell us what you're seeing now that's interesting, um, uh, particularly interesting. Well, I have, I have some. Uh, I could show you a chart, guys. Look, this is the question we always get: When is silver going to break out, Patrick? You got to tell me when silver going to break out. How come silver's not at all-time highs back in the '80s? How come silver's not back at all-time highs in um, 2011? Well, this is it. Silver. So al the alpha is gold. Gold. It's it's weird, Andrew, because just before this call, I was telling Kevin, look, there's no other chart that looks like the gold chart. It's it's its, its own asset class. It tracks inversely the U.S. dollar divided by CPI, or it tracks destruction of purchasing power or purchasing power. He's the gold's the alpha. Silver is the beta, the baby brother of gold. Gold divided by CPI is what silver tracks. So this is a chart with a lot more details, but again, often I dump it on Twitter and people don't, they don't get the nuances, it's complex. So on our website, all these type of details, like we go, we, we, we explain everything that are through written commentary or podcasts, we explain everything to, to our members. Look, look how silver tracks the gold divided by CPI. It's like that, if you wanna know what's gonna happen to the silver price, you want CPI to go up, but you want gold to go up, but you want gold to go up faster in CPI. So gold outperforms CPI is what really drives silver and silver has to price in that incoming inflation that gold is pricing ahead. Because remember, gold's probably gonna peak six months, eight months before the CPI print hits all time, even a year probably. Remember gold peaked in, uh, in August, I think of 2020, and the CPI kept going up and up and up. And people think, how come gold's not going up? Gold knows all it prices ahead of time it sees what's happening so th this is critical look at the bottom i have a little bit technical guys who love the macd you see that you have a single a, a bullish almost a bullish cross for silver for uh, gold versus cpi about to look like 2019 about to look like 2002 here we had one false single 1986 it looks like maybe the 70s so if people are wondering why gold, why silver is not going breaking out, it's waiting for gold to outpace inflation. And look, t t today, I don't know when this is going to be released, but silver is going bonkers today. Uh, gold is probably going to, if I look at uh, update that chart, we'll probably see gold trying to break out versus CPI. Yeah, we're recording this on the 12th, just so people know we're recording this on the 12th. Yeah. It's all about coiled and tight and we're not stretched. We've had over two years of consolidation, guys. People don't realize that's two years of your life. It doesn't, it's like people are two years. No, two years is a long time for the price to go sideways and get really, really tight. So when you get that confirmed breakout and people could get, they could subscribe to email notifications on our website so they won't miss any of these signals. Man, these opportunities, they, they don't come back often, very, very often, Andrew, there. So you gotta really, Pay attention to the price, the price signals, what they're giving you. I think one of the other things I found fascinating, and I must say, you know, I do follow you, um, is the. You know, I think you generated a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a two-way conversation regarding people who think that gold can't rise alongside the dollar, and and we. I'm, I'm going to ask you to explain that a little more about that. But, but I mean, goodness me, yeah, we know that. I mean, like, look what happened in 2008. I mean, gold rose for three solid years, for 680 bucks to 1200 bucks without any pullbacks, basically, with a rising dollar. So it's interesting. So, and, and, and a lot of people looked like weren't getting that. So maybe you can explain a little bit about that. I think, I think both myself and Patrick have put out charts that um, sort of dispel that. Um, myth yeah. that gold and the US dollar can't rise together. There are many times um, in the recent past where that, you know, just has been proven to be completely wrong. And in fact, I put a tweet out myself uh, just, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, I think it was, that shows very clearly 
the, the US dollar index uh, was 69 back in 2008, 2009. Uh, gold at the time was around about um, $800 at the time or even less. Now, the DXY, although it's risen from 69 to well over 100, gold, guess what gold's done? Well, gold's moved from $800 to uh, nearly $2,000. And that, that's it over the entire period from 2008 to, to now. So if you look at that chart, it just rises from bottom left to top right for the gold price. And it also does for the US dollar index as well. So taken as a whole, both have risen together. Now, you know, yes, when you look at very short time frames um, on a daily or an hourly uh, basis, then, you know, a, an upwards tick in DXY can cause a, a downwards tick in uh, the gold price, but when you zoom out and stretch that out over over weeks and months and years, you're, what you're really looking at there is just a tiny ripple that is making no difference whatsoever to the huge uh, wave that is taking place. There you go. There's that chart there, bottom left to top right for the gold price and the US dollar index. Of course, the US dollar index. You have to stop a second and think, what is the US dollar index? It's just the US dollar essentially versus the euro because the euro is the uh, the major part of the US dollar index that is measuring strength and weakness of the US dollar. Also contains the British pound and the Japanese yen and mm. Canadian dollar, I think, and one or two others. But um, principally, it's the it's the USD um, uh, euro pair. So yeah. that, fluctuate, that fluctuation of the US dollar index, you're just comparing deflating uh, fiat currencies, uh, which which is which is not really what. <laughs> It's not a it's not a good uh, measuring tool, to be fair. And it's understandable. It's understandable because when you think that that both gold and foreign exchange markets, gold and silver, trade as a foreign exchange cross. So your long dollar short gold, uh, long gold short dollar. So it's understandable, and especially um, you know it's understandable that people think well tick for tick for tick. Um, but uh, but as you say. There's a big this wheels within wheels, and of course there are times when that completely dislocates. And I think it's interesting that you can come up with um, when you track those kind of situations another confluence, another maybe another input where you think, right, I've been waiting for to get in maybe on a dip or a buy stop or something like that, um, and for looking for those those um, those inputs. So it's very very useful to have that information. And um, and so which because it's easy to make that mistake uh, where it, they're just directly correlated because they're an FX cross. So interesting. Always, always, always question narratives, whatever yes. narrative you're faced with, whatever someone comments on Twitter and someone says, oh, this is the case. Hmm. X means X means Y. Then if you, if you haven't got the evidence to prove that and support it, then don't just don't believe it. So, you know, as technical chart traders, whenever someone says something or makes a statement, my first reaction is to go straight to my chart and look for the proof. I'm a scientist myself, you know, so I, I don't accept anything at face value. Whatever someone tells me, I have to look at the chart. It's my it's my instant reaction. Look at the chart, find the evidence, and if what they're saying isn't true, show that person. Well, look, you know, this this just isn't the case, and here's the proof that it isn't the case because. It helps to dispel those myths and it helps to, you know, for people who are learning, still learning, as we all are in this journey. Um, you know, it's all about sharing that knowledge. And I'm, I, don't, I try not to get cross that someone is is putting misinformation out there because it's not necessarily their fault. They're just repeating something that they've heard. Uh, but, you know, trying to write that that miscomprehension is, is something, I, you know, I, I really want to try and do. If everything was a level playing field, life would be simple, wouldn't it? But you've got, especially in the gold world, where we have a massive paper market, which is non-NSFR compliant uh, in the COMEX, whereas on the 1st of January, we had Basel III NSFR conditions kick in. So if you have, you're a liquidity provider and you're providing foreign exchange gold, you better have that physical to deliver. So that's a complete change. So it's an input change which I think it's important when people just look back and they look at, oh, well, history says it'll do this, it'll do that. No, it isn't, because we see inputs change all the time. And you talk about that one meteorite. Well, actually, a meteorite landed about four, five doors away <laughs> about last year. But, uh, but, but essentially, 
you know, they're, they're, these inputs are important to, to track because people just think it's so simple, but it's not. And you've got this, this unwind of paper market liquidity now flowing into a much more deliverable market, which is not circling around the same ring fence where it used to circle around. So I think it's important um, that people realize there are things that you need to change, things that inputs you need to have uh, to, to put in. That, that's a great point because that's why I tell everybody when somebody has like, they studied uh, one fundamental metric and they think that's driving up the price or down. But then if you're not a specialist in fundamental research and you, you're not on track of everything, the plethora of fundamental uh, levers that move that impact the price, then you're dead man walking because that one thing that, that, that you didn't account for, ah, oh, man, I forgot to think about that. Of course, the price is going to, you know, so all that as chart traders, you're going to analyze the, you're going to have, you're going to analyze what you think is going to move the price. You're going to wager your money. Uh, that other f fed, f uh, that other fund manager, he's managing billions. He has his own plethora of analysts. They're going to tell him, okay, want to go long, short. All these people across the world, you know what? We're going to see in the chart as an aggregate. So whatever the reasons are, we're waiting. We're waiting for all the market participants to place their bets. And when we see that there's some type of breakout and that energy, so if we could circle back to Andrew, there's energy buildup that explodes. Us as chart traders, whatever the reason, we're saying, okay, that's a low risk, high probability trade. We're, we're going to play that because I know I know nothing. I'm not a fundamental specialist. I can't run around and cover, read all these articles. So me and Kevin, we're chart specialists. We accept that we don't know anything or everything. We wait for all the specialists to place their bets and we analyze the end result of that. Fantastic, fantastic view. Yeah, so this is this is really interesting stuff, and I think this is why <clears throat> why people should follow you. And um, now you're doing a lot of uh, work with Kinesis. Um, very proud to have you guys, um, you know, working uh, uh, with uh, with our group. Um, so what, what are you what are you actually working on at the moment with us? I mean, yeah, basically what we what we're providing and what we're doing is that we are uh, allowing Kinesis users, Kinesis customers uh, around the world to. Um, have access to our services for you know, obviously a huge discount um, as part of our, our link up with um, with Kinesis, as you say, and that has allowed us to develop a particular service for uh, for those users of Kinesis. I mean, I use Kinesis myself, and I swap between gold and silver and cryptocurrencies. And you know, one thing that's very impressive with the system is just how quick and how relatively cheap it is as well to make that switch. You can sell your silver, sell your gold with a click of a button convert it into the currency of your choice and then uh, buy, you know, um, whether it's cryptocurrencies or you're wanting to swap it from silver to gold. So you're allowed to take or you're able to take advantage of that, um, that, that ratio chart that I was talking about. And that's not the only ratio chart that we have for Kinesis users on the website, of course. You know, we have other uh, ratio charts that, as I say, allow you to take advantage of, for example, the Bitcoin to Ethereum ratio and always be aware of which one of the, those pairs is outperforming the other. Because, of course, as an investor or trader, you always want to be on the winning horse. Why be on, you know, the, why be in the trade that's going to go up maybe 100% when you can be uh, in, the, in the instrument that's going to go up 150%. So those ratio charts allow us to, to track the relative performance of one instrument versus another. So that's the service that, as, um, as I say, we, we've developed specifically for and uniquely for um, Kinesis users. I saw you actually walk people through a, <clears throat> a uh, you got into, you showed them inside your Kinesis um, uh, platform. And what you were doing was suggesting that you could actually, you know, with a click of a mouse, you could use that ratio trade. You could move out of silver into gold and gold back into silver with a click of a mouse without actually going out the market. And I think that that was, to me, I thought, wow, that is a really cool idea. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's one thing for us to have the you know, Kinesis logo on the chart and for us to suggest to people that this is a, a platform that you might want to consider. But, you know, it, I use it myself. And, you know, quite rightly, people have asked me, Kevin, you know, can you show, show us how to use uh, the Kinesis network? And I, I know that the Kinesis platform um, and on the Kinesis website, there's a whole load of explainer videos and they're very good and they're great and i try and direct people to 
to those um, explainer videos. But sometimes, because people, I suppose, know me and Patrick, and they maybe they, they trust us and whatever, they like our style or the way I explain things, whatever. And they sort of ask, ask me, Kevin, can you just quickly show yourself, you know, doing it, doing a trade on the, on the platform? And of course, you know, I'm quite happy to oblige with that. It just takes a matter of seconds. You just log in, couple couple of mouse clicks, and hey presto, you've bought an ounce or a hundred ounces or a thousand ounces of of silver. It literally takes. As I say, a couple of mouse clicks and the job's done, and and it's and it's reassuring, you know, for people to know that the silver that or gold that they've just bought is is real. It's not a it's not digital silver or gold, um, and and that's the end of it. It's been digitized, so you can spend it, yeah, but it's physical and it's allocated and it's audited. You know, there's a one to one relationship, um, and the the independent auditors, of course, have um, produced their reports and they're on the Kinesis website, so. You know, whenever anyone says to me, well, you know, I've not heard of Kinesis, can I trust them? Well, don't take my word for it. You know, go onto the Kinesis website, read all about the service and, and read the um, the audit report for yourself. Um, it's like anything else. You do your own due diligence. You satisfy yourself that the company is uh, what they say they are and who they say they are. Um, and, and then you proceed from that point onwards. But for me, I always say, look, Physical gold and silver is great, but if I stick it here in my in my house, and you know it's in my hand, you know people say if it's not in my hand, I I don't own it and all that kind of stuff. Well, I can see why people say that, and I can see why you might want to have some stashed away somewhere. But my personal view is that it's probably safer in a recognised bullion vault uh, uh, that's audited, and you know my physical is allocated. I, I kind of feel somewhat safer with it there. Than I do here in in my house somewhere, which yeah. could quite easily be broken into, and the stuff could be stolen. And you, you get know, a yield, and you get a yield. So it's just win, win, win. <laughs> but it's all about your attitude to risk, isn't it? And everybody has their own indiv- individual approach to risk and risk assessment. And that, you know that was part of my job as a as a meteorologist is to to assess risk. Um, I was assessing risk on behalf of pilots. I was assessing risk on behalf of emergency responders in flooding situations and rescuing people, that that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's all about risk assessment and everybody has to do their own individual risk assessment and make their own their own personal decisions because what's right for me might not be right for you, might be different for Patrick. And and that's, you know, that's absolutely right and proper. Just add on, Kevin, look, it's like, we're not financial advisors, but you could have each, it's not everything and or, it's like you could have a physical bullion, your coins, your stuff, your physical, because yeah, of course, like, that's good, but for the other stuff to maximize all that physical that's just hanging in there that you can't go to Kitco, you can't trade it easily. Well, you just you just buy it on the on the platform and just do like Kevin showed, swap in and out, you know. So that's why it's best, guys, to prepare ahead of time. Don't wait for us to tell you it's a signal and then the price is running up. Like you, you, you could, people could already put money like in a bank. They don't wait to need to use the bank, right? People put their money; it's there. If ever they need it, they take it out. Same thing with Kinesis platform. People could just up, upload whatever they want. You could leave it in fiat. That's another thing, Kevin. I like. I could swap my fiat. So let's say I buy gold in uh, with my Canadian dollars, and I think Canadian dollars is going down. I could sell my gold and hold another currency. The Swiss franc is a great currency, which is like for me that's the best currency in the world, other than. Uh, gold but in the fiat currencies like the swiss francs number one you, you could hold that and um yeah so people have to prepare ahead of time hopefully you know this reaches this reaches out and people are able to know that there's other tools right now at, at their disposition other than the classical tools of just holding the physical and silver you know in their basement or underground where it's hard to uh, to swap you know to increase your stack and just for the for the racial tracker we have there's email notifications, guys. So even if you don't want to hassle, you don't want to log, you don't want to understand, you just want to get an email when we swap for gold for silver or gold for uh, for Bitcoin for gold, whatever it is, you just sign up for email notifications and you just wait for that email. And then if you want to get the detailed uh, explanations, you go on the website and then, ah, oh, okay, that's why they swapped. That's the weight of evidence. Okay, let, let's do it. That's really interesting. As a Canadian, do you trust your banking system? Look, I got a big wake-up call with the trucker thing. You remember that? I don't know. Yep, that's why I was asking. Look, I don't want this going to be recorded, but the first thing I went to do is I took out a, a chunk of cash and I, I'm keeping in the house, you know, like just, just like, man, because remember my father's Lebanese. I saw this happen in Lebanon where all the Lebanese people that had 
great interest rates before it was like almost a Ponzi scheme before the, the system imploded, you could put your money in the bank for eight, 10% interest rates. That's when the, the rates were at zero and overnight, the bankers, they took their money out. They went to banks in Cyprus, whatever, and the whole rest of the population locked down. They, they can't even get $50 a week or it's, it's, it's bonkers while the Lebanese pound went downhill. Could this happen in Canada? Well, I wouldn't think so, but that trucker thing, seizing money and all that, it kind of, okay, Pat, I have a family. Now the probabilities, they've shown me something that is possible. So now the probabilities are shifting that my trust level did go down, seriously. So, And also, you know, to add to that, it's, it's happening here in Europe as well. Turkey is a European country. I've just come, come back from vacation in Turkey. Um, and it's very interesting talking to the, the, the people out there, the taxi drivers, the, the shop workers and all the rest of it. And they, 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 they just said to me, look, our, our, our paper is confetti, it's toilet paper, our, our, our money is toilet paper. And, um, you know, they, they've got 50, 60, 70, 80 percent inflation. Um, life is very hard for them out there now. Even as a, a visiting tourist, the prices in the shops and in the restaurants and in the bars are probably a little bit more expensive than they are here in the UK. But you have to factor in that here in the UK, the average salary is, um, I don't know, in US dollars, it might be something like $50,000 is the average take-home salary per year. But out there in Turkey, the average take-home salary is closer to $5,000. So they're, they're, they're earning approximately 10% of what we are here in the UK, but the prices are uh, very, very similar, which clearly makes it very, very unaffordable for your average Turkish person. You know, just pull up one chart of the um, of the gold price in Turkish lira, and you'll see exactly why it can make a huge amount of sense to have at least a portion of your wealth in physical gold, uh, because in a situation like that where inflation begins to run away with itself, and even in modest inflation, inflationary times, uh, those that like we saw in the 1970s, for example, where inflation was 5, 10, 15 percent, uh, gold acts like a lifeboat, doesn't it? And we all know that it helps to preserve your wealth. And we know that gold tracks loss of purchasing power. Um, if that money was in the bank, of course, during that period in the 1970s, you'd have come out of it at the end with your fiat currency worth less than half of what it was when you when you went into that decade, probably about 30 percent of what it was. So. Um, yeah, gold has a very, very important role to play in um, in preserving and protecting your financial position. And if you do, if you play it right and you leverage that position, then you can actually increase your wealth as well through a number of other means, like using the ratio tracking chart that we've spoken about, uh, like leveraging it with silver, because silver, of course, is more volatile and the percentage gains can be greater. And um, and of course, you know, if you're playing the stock market, you can play the miners at uh, at um, advantageous times as well when the miners can outperform gold and silver for, for a period of time so it's it, it's aware it's a case of having a full 360 degree awareness of what is going on in the world around you and as you said a moment ago andrew you know the the the, the inputs are constantly changing the environment is constantly changing we've just come out of an era of 40 years of decreasing interest rates and decreasing yields the 10-year yield and the 30 yield have broken out of a 40-year downtrend that instantly tells us that the environment that we're in, the economic environment that we're in, is now different to what it has been for the last 40 years. It has more similarities with the 1960s and the 1970s, in fact, than it does with anything that occurred during the 1980s, 1990s and the, the early 2000s. That's an important input. And it, it, it's so often we look at all the crosses and what you're saying is obviously all of these crosses interact with each other. And you've just described something, I mean, basically... We've, I, we now view, um, uh, obviously, everything is a risk-reward situation. Money in the bank, even in the UK, anywhere, it's a risk-reward decision. So you, you are taking a risk, putting that money in there. I mean, look, in, look what happened to the regional banks in, in America. Look at how suddenly uh, that deposit base evaporated as people sought 5% rates in money market funds, draining liquidity out of these what really these banks that built America, that made America great. Um, so it's interesting you just mentioned, you just mentioned, so you track, uh, you track this kind of stuff too. Absolutely. And the fact that you mentioned the banks there is, is interesting as well, because particular charts like Bank of America, for example, do not look good right at this point in time. Bank of America has broken down in a technical chart in a very similar way to what it did back in 2007. 
Wow. We know what happened. We know what happened after that. So the technical chart for Bank of America and a number of other banks actually looks eerily similar to what was beginning to unfold back in 2007. So all of these things attract. And what you say about risk reward is absolutely, absolutely critical. We never enter a trade without um, doing a risk reward calculation. We tend not to risk more than 2% of our net asset value in any one trade. So um, if, if that trade goes against us, 2% down on the nav. And by using this confidence measuring um, technique, it means that we can weight our trades so that we take a 2% nav risk on the trades that have high confidence, but maybe only a, a half a percent or a 0.25% nav risk on the trades, which are a little bit more of a gamble. And, and, and that is what allows a, a portfolio to grow over time. If you're able to actually know beforehand which trades carry the greater likelihood of success, you can then weight your uh, your trading appropriately and, uh, and watch your portfolio grow by doing that. So all of this analysis feeds in, but none of it works without risk and reward and you know sound risk and, and money management. Absolutely, absolutely, it's so interesting. So, so this is this is more reasons why. I mean, these crosses are so complex. I mean, who's got the time to do it? We need to be crazy like us. I'm I'm crazy in the gold market, silver market. I live and breathe it. It. it I mean, I'm I'm that's called crazy. Um, but you guys are so specialized. Other people probably think you're crazy, but but by tapping into this wealth. Uh, of specialized knowledge. Nobody else is going to have all of this information. I think the two of you, it's interesting because the two of you sort of meet, you know, these two sort of worlds meet and they complement each other. And I think uh, this is tremendously interesting. I think people need this um, at this time because, as you say, there's so many changes. The inputs are changing. I, I'm, I'm mind blown at some of the changes that are going on. Look, we've got uh, you've got de-dollarization going on. The weaponization of the dollar has created a massive move, and we, we're moving. We've come out of India just now, and what we're doing is we're going into August of 24th, 25th, and we, we're very, very likely going to see a gold-backed uh, currency. Almost certainly, we've got very close relationships with our Russian refiners, who are definitely saying this is happening. So, you know, these are inputs. So. You need to be on top of, and you guys, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, let's see where those positions are. And then you can then make a decision as to, do I want in, do I want out? Uh, and, and as you say, risk reward, you need to then determine. And I think this is where you come in very, very powerfully. It's fine to have a core position. No one's going to take my bullion. I don't care what happens to the price up or down doesn't matter. But when we do a trade, I often think the best thing to do, and I always say to, to people who, who I work with, write out the check as if you've lost it. All right. So that's the amount you can not possibly lose more than. You've already put it, take that check and throw it away. Now you've got, now you, now you can think clearly. And if it goes wrong, it's already gone. So you've lost nothing and you're on to the next thing. And it's an interesting situation when you've got these kind of, when you've got this much input and you just say, you get a, a text to say, Hey, maybe, maybe this trade I was waiting for is coming. So you can elect to have these, these texts, can you? Yes. Uh, you, you summed everything up. The, the crosses, it's intermarket analysis. That's all we do with, with the charts. Remove the noise, remove the FOMO. Nobody want, how many times people have been trapped by FOMO? We get DMs from people, oh, Patrick, man, I wish I would have seen your chart before. I bought Bitcoin at 55,000 in 2021. It's rocketing upwards. Look, there's no reason to fall for FOMO. Take your time, guys. And again, people ask me, bullish, am I bullish or bearish on something? But like you said, Andy, no position is a position. If me, if there, even if, let's say, NVIDIA is rallying to the moon, I'm not going to chase that volatility. We're going to wait, let that volatility run out, let it contract, coil, then we, we might enter. We've, it's crazy how we've removed totally the emotion from the equation by, by, by stripping all the noise, just looking at the charts and having confidence that that's the, and look, and Kevin didn't mention it, but we have a performance dashboard, like people could go and see like the results of this. So even if one, one trade out of two is right, because we, have, we always use favorable risk, to re, risk versus reward, on the net, it, we're, we're positive, not, like nonstop. So, look, we, 
That's what we dream, you're right. Like, I wake up, I have an idea in the morning, Kevin, did you chart uh, this relationship, those two? And then we, we get on a call and we start talking about it. And that's the, the value. We, like, we're doing the hard work and we're presenting that through uh, our website. Yeah, all, all of it. I, I would hate to sit here and just sort of come across as someone who's trying to advertise a service that may or may not work. I mean, as I said at the start, I'm a scientist and I I demand evidence, I demand proof. So it's quite right that on the on, on the website that we have, all of that proof and evidence is there. So what Patrick mentioned there, the performance dashboard, it's our tool that allows people to see what our actual trading results are. It's all there for people to look at. And also when people join the website, it's there in, in a lot of detail as well. So we don't hide any of that. All of our trades are entered in a in a in a what we call the trade tracker, the entry price, the exit price, the profit limit, the sell stop, and then when we exit, it's recorded. The profit or loss is recorded. All of that stuff is there. All of the evidence, and we explain all all the way through what the risk is, what the reward is, what the overall nav position is. Uh, I mean, as it stands at the moment with all of our trades, if every single one of them goes against us, our nav is still way way in the positive because of the accumulated. Um, successes and gains that we've had over time so it's a nice position to be in knowing that no matter what happens you're never going to be in a worse position than you than you started off at so so that's that's great to know but that's of course not the that's not the aim that's not not the goal the goal is to carry on building the uh, the nav and building the, the gains at the same sort of rate and and key to to it of course is to outpace inflation you know you know inflation might be 10% so you've got to beat that to even to even factor in again, you know, you can't just use nominal values. You want to be beating um, beating inflation by being involved in the trades that are, are making the biggest gains at that point in time. And sometimes, you know, you look at a trade and you'll, you'll be pretty confident that something is going to move to the upside. But when you do the risk reward analysis, it just isn't quite good enough to justify taking that trade. You might get a two to one or a two two and a half to one risk to reward. Well, you know, okay, that might involve a fifty percent move to the upside. But even a 50% move to the upside is not necessarily good enough to get into that trade. And this is where the whole risk reward money management protocols come into it and the education that we do on the website to try and get people away from thinking about whether a stock is going to move 100% or not. That doesn't matter. It doesn't move if it moves, it matter if, if it moves 200%, because unless you put your entire wealth into that stock, you're not going to gain 200% on where you started. So it's all a question of how much do I put into that trade? And how much risk am I prepared to accept? It, that, that's the risk reward analysis in, in a nutshell. If it goes against you, how much of your nav have you lost? So you, at the point you enter the trade, you need to know how much you stand to lose, as well as how much you stand to potentially gain. And that's your risk reward. Um, and only by knowing that can you can you go into a trade with your eyes open with, with all of the facts. And, and, and that's, you know, as a scientist, that's what I kind of, and, and myself and Patrick work very carefully and closely together to to be very clear to our members and to our subscribers and anybody that asks just we're completely transparent you know there's nothing to hide it's all there it's all laid out our techniques and methods we don't we don't hide any of our methodology there's a very clear weight of evidence process that we go through and the more people understand it the better from our point of view we want everyone to understand it and if people just want to play the trade and not get bogged down in trying to work it all out then that's fine as well yeah, no, that's 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 fantastic. I'm just excuse the noise here. The gardener's just started up a lawnmower. your brain thinking. Well, it could be sometimes. I think. Ask my wife; she might think so. But um, but no, this is interesting because you've got, so there isn't much you don't cover. I mean, really, basically, when when you're looking at one. Um, so, you know, you can't just look at one thing. You have to look at all of these inputs. So I think, um, so really, what, what, what don't you cover? I mean, it's pretty much you cover everything. Nothing. There's nothing. Any investment, anything, stock markets, precious metals, commodities, energy, you know, anything you can think of. Big, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies, we cover cryptocurrencies, of course, uh, uh, Bitcoin miners, crypto miners, anything that's investable, ETFs, um, if it's a chart that meets our criteria and fits the bill, and I, I suppose it does help if it's a, if it's if it's liquid, if there's enough of a market cap to a, enough, enough trading around that stock or share. Um, there's, a, there's a whole load of factors that we think about. Does is there a dividend payout, for example? 
Um, is it going to be good for people's investment uh, retirement portfolios? Uh, are they called 401ks or something like that in the United States? So there's a, there's a whole range of factors that we consider. You know, micro cap stocks can be exciting, but they can be very liquid and difficult to get out at the price you want to get out at, and and all that kind of thing. So we're aware of you know the limiting factors around the markets, but to answer your question, there's, there's nothing that we don't cover. Um, it's just that we don't necessarily take positions in in things that don't meet our criteria. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we cover everything because we we do a forest to tree approach, Andy. Because we understand the macro capital flows. So those major asset classes. Is it value or growth? Right? Is it SPX and Nasdaq or is it gold, oil, silver? Because right away we're able to compare those two. Then we go down the pyramid and then okay, let's say gold's outperforming SPX. Then we'll look in the gold. Okay, is silver, the miners outperforming. Is it the, the big cap, the small stocks uh, caps uh, outperforming? And going down, trickling down, we know that the guy at the bottom has the tailwinds protected by big daddy gold or for long growth stocks, then it'll be inverse, right? If you're, you're starting to play these, uh, these uh, better plays or these leverage plays on the SPX or NASDAQ, let's say Bitcoin, well, you're only going to go long these instruments, if Big Daddy SPX is outperforming, it's uh, gold, right? So because we're doing first to a tree. It's, it's like a health check. You know, I, I could look at somebody, I could look at Patrick and when he's not feeling very well and I could say, Patrick, you've got the flu. I might be right. I might be wrong. I know he's not well, but I've made a diagnosis based on one thing and that is what he looks like. What I don't know is that he's got an infection, he's got sepsis, and if he doesn't get treatment and antibiotics, he's going to die next week. And that, that, that's exactly the, the, the thought process that we apply to technical analysis. You have to not just look at the chart, not just look at one element of it. You have to do a full health check. And the full health check involves all of the weight of evidence that Patrick just, just described and a whole load of other stuff as well. It's like a doctor examining a patient, basically. And then you can come up with a diagnosis that at least has a good chance of being the correct diagnosis. And that's, that's probably the, the best way I can describe it. Well, I, maybe you should go into medicine because when I went to the, um, uh, I go to the doctors now, they just Google. They Google. Right? <laughs> hang on. This, this, hang on. Are you just Googling what, what I just asked you about? Yes. <laughs> yes, I are. <laughs> so, okay. Remind me not to go to your doctors. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, luckily I don't need them. But um, occasionally you go down there and, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Lord, yeah. protect us. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid. Well, you find that kind of approach all over the place these days because the internet is the font of all knowledge and, you know, it's, it's assumed that you can just Google it and get, get the correct answer. But, you know, you have to put in the hours, you have to put in the work, you have to do the research. And I'm personally drawing on my background in meteorology, Patrick, in his background as an IT specialist and uh, Linux engineer and all his analytical skills and abilities there as well. So, you know, we're both joining forces to to bring out the, the to the maximum what we've learned over over the decades, really, and and just trying to share that with um, with our followers and sub- subscribers. It's it's a it's a tricky process to try and explain. It's not easy to teach. A lot of it comes from, as you know, Andy. You know, a lot of a lot of what comes it. You know, it's a case of your own experience, your own knowledge, your own background. You know, you have to put in the hard work. It's not just something that someone can can teach you in half an hour. Um, and you, you have to put your, put in your time at the coal face, really, don't you? Well, I think it's it, – thank you so much for, for spending some time with us today. And we really must circle back, um, and I mean quite soon. And, and so people can access you. Obviously, we're going to put the link. Um, so this is a deal that you're offering a deal to um, Kinesis subscribers. Um, if you could just re, re, re-outline that deal uh, so that people know what they're, um, what they're getting. It's super simple, Andy. It's, uh, they use a discount code, Kinesis, and they get 50% off lifetime. They'll never pay more. Even if we raise our prices later because of inflation, you've locked in that price forever, 50% discount. So use the uh, discount code Kinesis. Uh, subscribe to Kinesis. People should uh, put some fiat in Kinesis, and so they'll be able to leverage our, go- our ratio tracker right eventually when we give signals. And uh, hopefully that gives enough value so people could actually increase increase their wealth, protect uh, their, their purchasing power, and, uh, and end up uh, for the better, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're there to help our members as much as we can. We always answer questions. We always get involved in the conversations that are taking place in the in the uh, chat sections of our of our website as well, and the comments that um, that that follow from our charts and our podcasts. So, you know, we're there to help. We're there to educate. And um, as, as Patrick just said, yeah, fifty percent discount and no price increase ever. Once you're once you've joined, um, you can renew. Uh, monthly or annually, and uh, not ever have any increase in your in your price plan. Sounds brilliant, uh, and honestly, thank you for spending that time with us today and sharing your knowledge. Um, it's all about education. Uh, that's really all we're about as well on our life from the vaults. It's about bringing information to people so they can make better choices. And I think you know that's 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 what I see here. And I think um, you know whether you're a trader, stacker. Uh, make one trade a year. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, I think um, it could pay for itself in just one trade. So um, thank you so much, guys, uh, Kevin, Patrick, uh, different sides of the world. And, um, but thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, Andy. Thanks. Thanks. It was an honor, Andy. Thanks for, for having us. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Andrew McGuire. And thank you so much, Kevin Wadsworth and Patrick Kareem of North Star Bad Charts for that amazing offer to all of our Kinesis and our uh, Live from the Vault community as well. Uh, thank you so much. That's a 50% off. That's amazing. So, And again, uh, thank you so much for a fascinating discussion here. And remember to everyone in our community, buy physical, make sure it's one-to-one. Understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper, gold, and silver markets, and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. Buy physical. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today on another episode of Live from the Vault right here down in southern Italy. So please help keep spreading the word about this channel by hitting that like button, sharing the information, and subscribe. Click on the bell. You know the deal if you want to be notified in real time as each episode goes live. And with that, we will see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.